name's Nick Sawyer, and welcome to The Swap Podcast, where we exchange news and views on the latest trends in derivatives and finance. From the March 2020 dash for cash to the more recent crisis in the UK pension sector in September 2022, markets have experienced a succession of price volatility and liquidity shocks that have had the potential to threaten financial stability, in both of these examples prompting central banks to step in to restore order. Not surprisingly, regulators are closely looking at this issue with the aim of better understanding the drivers and coming up with solutions. A variety of work streams are underway, but one potential response that's gained traction is increased clearing of cash US Treasury securities and repos. In September last year, the US Securities and Exchange Commission proposed rule amendments that would, among other things, require Treasury clearinghouses to direct their members to clear certain Treasury securities transactions. Proponents say this will help reduce counterparty credit risk, increase transparency and balance sheet capacity, and open the way for smaller firms to act as liquidity providers. But it also comes with costs due to clearing fees and margin requirements. In this episode, we'll be exploring this issue to better understand the implications for those active in the US Treasury market. Joining me is ISDA's Chief Executive, Scott O'Malia. Scott, can you tell us about our guest for this episode? Sure, we'll be joined by Brian Ruan, Chief Executive Officer of BNY Mellon, Government Security Services Corporation and Clearance and Collateral Management. Brian has a great perspective on the issues given BNY Mellon's role as both a provider of settlement services and sponsoring member of the Fixed Income Clearing Corporation, or FICC, the only clearinghouse for U.S. Treasury securities. I'd like to get Brian's views on what increased clearing of U.S. Treasuries will mean for both his business and the broader market. As you know, U.S. Treasuries play a pivotal role in all parts of the financial system, including collateral management and derivatives. So it's important we fully understand what increased clearing will mean. Agreed. So without further ado, let's get started. Scott, over to you. Brian, welcome to The Swap and thanks for joining us. Scott, thank you. I'm delighted to be here. Great. Well, let's jump right into it. Recent stress events, including the March 2020 dash for cash, have prompted calls for more clearing of cash, treasury, securities, and repos, culminating with an SEC proposal in September of 2022 that would require clearing of certain U.S. Treasury security transactions. What do you see the primary benefits of increased clearing here? Well, firstly, the U.S. Treasury market is, in my view, the most liquid market in the world. And operationally, in 2020, the market did actually settle a very large amount of securities that came through. But as you've rightly said, there's been a significant amount of discussion about how can this market be improved? So what is the primary benefit of central clearing or increased clearing? And I think simply expanded central clearing would allow netting of repo positions. This netting would, in reality, reduce the amount of balance sheet that would be needed to dedicate to the underlying trading transactions. And then as a consequence, the general thought is that that would result to more balance sheet being made available to this important market. And I think that's the concept of how liquidity could actually enter into the market. But the proposal, I should say, that you're asking me about, in case somebody who's listening doesn't specifically know, it is called the Standards for Covered Clearing Agencies for U.S. Treasury Securities. It's an SEC proposal, as you said, that covers central clearing. And the comment period ended at the end of 2022. And I think those comments are still being made public on the website. You can see them there. 
many of the industry comments that I've seen, and they're made public, but I'm sure there'll be more that actually do so. And those same comments were discussed at the 2022 U.S. Treasury Market Conference, which the Federal Reserve held, contained similar themes. And those themes were that generally, I think there is a feeling by market participants that central clearing could improve or strengthen a market that's a super important market, but that there is a certain amount of clarification that's still needed. And perhaps that's the reasoning for this whole comment period. I'm sure in this interview, we'll get into what some of the market participants are saying could be improved about that. But I think central clearing, generally, it's about the balance sheet freeing up, which would allow market participants to do more in this important market or to dedicate more of their balance sheet to this important market. That's right. So one of the nuances is, should repo or cash products go first or should they go together, which is what was in the proposal? As you say, extensive comments were filed with the SEC. The SEC is now in the process of reviewing those, and they'll come out with a revised proposal that hopefully recognizes the input from the market. Now, what would this mean for BNY Mellon's role as a provider of settlement services? BNY Mellon also offers sponsored access to FICC for cleared repo. Will a proposed clearing mandate result in you taking on more sponsored member activity? And what will this mean for the risk management perspective? BNY Mellon plays two different roles in the treasury market. In your question, you referenced both of those. First, we're the primary settlement location for all U.S. Treasury trades. So that's outright purchases, sales, and repos. We provide these services to a range of clients, all of the primary broker-dealers, and FICC, which is the CCP for the treasury market in the U.S. and is part of DTCC. In addition to being a settlement location for U.S. Treasuries, a BNY Mellon, as you mentioned, provides sponsoring member services. And so this sounds like a super technical description, but really what it means is that BNY Mellon acts as a sponsoring member in FICC's program, which allows clients that we sponsor, and there's other firms that provide this as well, Scott, either buy or sell side clients to have their trades centrally cleared without becoming a direct member of the FICC. So it's two things. So first, provide settlement services, and that would be for both outright purchases and sales and repos. And then secondarily, introducing clients who wish to participate in FICC's sponsored repo program buy or sell side clients to have their trades centrally cleared. So if we look at the question from both of these perspectives, so firstly, from the U.S. Treasury settlement agent point of view, which is the one we're probably, BNY Mellon is probably best known for, we currently provide settlement services for centrally cleared and non-centrally cleared transactions. Some of your listeners will know this, but maybe others don't, that There is today a market from a settlement perspective where securities clear both on a centrally cleared basis and on a non-centrally or agent cleared basis. And in some ways, in this conversation, we're talking about is that balance as a result of this proposal going to change? So we're doing this today. Expanded use of central clearing, if in fact this proposal that's currently in the comment stage was to go ahead. That doesn't change the process or workflows that we provide to this important market. In this regard, we're really already working with many of the market participants and with FICC to ensure, if in fact this goes ahead, that any changes that would be required on behalf of clients are 
to the extent we have to do it from a systems perspective, or really just to help the market that those are clearly articulated. Today, less than a third of trades are centrally cleared. So there is a component of trades that are centrally cleared, but it's less than a third. So that's on the clearing side. On the second point you mentioned, sponsored member point of view, we have clear risk standards and approval process. And many of the sponsored member clients are really already existing clients of BNY Mellon. However, we do take on new clients, assuming they meet our risk criteria. And there is a growing trend towards more sponsored member business taking place. So to answer your question, I do think both BNY Mellon and others will continue to provide these services to their clients. Now, ISDA conducted a survey last year to get industry views on the potential benefits of increased clearing of cash treasury securities and repos. We got a lot of great feedback and we published the results last August. While most respondents were generally supportive of clearing, there was little backing for broad clearing mandates with warnings it could result in some participants reducing their activity or withdrawing from the market, thus potentially reducing liquidity. However, that view wasn't universal. Certain participants felt clearing was unlikely to incur unless a mandate was in place. Brian, what's your view here and how do you think this plays out? I think the views that were expressed by certain market participants were aligned with at least the first panel at that U.S. Treasury market conference that I mentioned in November that the Fed hosted, which was that while the market does see the benefit of central clearing and there is a move towards central clearing that we discussed a moment ago related to the sponsored members, but that really there's more work that needs to be done for the market and for market participants to gain an understanding of what it means for them. The first is the cost benefit analysis, like exactly what will be the benefit if everything was to go the way it is currently proposed. And then I think the second is just a little bit more data on the premise that it would, in fact, add more liquidity. I think those were the two things, the cost benefit analysis, and then where is the data that would support that this would, in fact, increase liquidity in this important market. The review in your survey especially said that participants want to understand how this would improve the market during times of stress. So I would say that in general, the thought was that market participants want a little bit more research done on what would be the benefits for the market. I do think your intro point, which was generally people that were knowledgeable on this in the industry felt that central clearing was a good thing. And as I mentioned earlier, we are seeing more volumes using the sponsored programs. So firms are clearly moving towards central clearing on their own. But as I mentioned, it's really just a third of all trades. It'll be interesting to see whether that move towards central clearing for sponsored programs is a precursor to a mandate or if sufficient incentives already exist for the market to move more towards central clearing. You mentioned incentives, as well as mandating that covered cleared agencies require that direct participants to clear certain eligible cash, treasury, securities, and repos. The SEC September 2022 proposal sets out other changes intended to incentivize clearing. This includes ensuring that broad access to clearing and required customer margin be collected and held separately from margin posted by direct participants for proprietary trading. The proposals would allow broker-dealers to essentially collect margin from a customer and then use that to meet the customer's margin requirements. How important are these changes and are additional incentives necessary? 
As you've outlined, the SEC proposal contains a number of new requirements that collectively should lead to improvements in the treasury market, some of which have already been implemented. Aside from expanding the scope of central clearing, the proposed outlines contain changes specifically designed to incentivize clearing, namely changes in the 15C3 calculation. The new 15C3 calculation formula would allow broker-dealers to free up capital that could then be used to meet margin requirements of a clearing agency. And I do think this one is a thoughtful change. The ability of broker-dealers to reuse margin collected from clients is a significant and appropriate benefit that may incentivize the market. It's difficult to determine if this is sufficient to incentivize a move towards more central clearing without further mandates. However, I do see that as a trend. The SEC proposal has encouraged multiple thought leadership papers on this topic. It's been a topic at a couple of conferences, and we're here talking about this today. And if you think about it, the move towards central clearing in whatever final shape it takes. I do think there is a feeling in the market that people want to make sure that what's done improves this market, makes it more resilient. So I do feel that a thoughtful and careful approach to it is taking place. And part of that incentivization might be to actually implement some of the requirements of central clearing in a gradual or more risk-based approach. And perhaps that'll be one of the conclusions that comes out of the feedback to the SEC. Yeah, and as you noted, this market is enormous. It's the beating heart of financial market liquidity. So it's very important we don't screw this up, and we make sure that we have a good, robust, cost-effective, transparent, and well-managed market with plenty of liquidity. We don't want to see a decline in liquidity. As one of the most important infrastructure providers in the financial market ecosystem, you are fully aware of the operational challenges of moving billions of dollars per day around a system. Are there any obstacles or potential risks associated with increased clearing in the treasury market? The goal of the treasury market reform is to strengthen treasury market liquidity, efficiency, and above all, resiliency, especially during times of stress. I think that March 2020 From that point in time, there's certainly been the point in time that I've seen that central clearing has really come to the forefront. Central clearing is one tool to achieve these goals, but not the only or the end goal in of itself. If it's executed well, it will, in my view, reduce risk further as other reforms have reduced risk in the past. This is important as we look through the cost-benefit analysis I mentioned earlier. It's really the age-old question What's the cost-benefit, and does it, in fact, have the positive impact that we all hope for in the U.S. Treasury market? Regulators in industry will need to determine this based on feedback. A careful analysis will be critical to how this is implemented. And then I think that the general answer to your question surrounding this would be that the operational aspects of the onboarding, and certainly BNY Mellon will be there to help our clients and to help the CCP should they need to do this. As I mentioned in the beginning, the cleared model and the uncleared model exist today. So I do think it is both the market being given the time to actually do the onboarding. Some firms may opt to go through the sponsored form of cleared repo. Others may decide to become members of the CCP. There would obviously be an onboarding process on that. The operational aspects of it would be something that we feel we would be in a good position to accommodate either way. I think it is really more 
what's the right cadence for this to be rolled in and over what period of time. And generally in past reforms of this market, and I've seen both the early 2000 market-based committee that looked at New Bank and the future of the treasury market, and then the 2008 committee that looked at how to reform the tripartite market. I think the two things that both of those had in common was the period of time that was taken to bring in the reforms. And I do think that's really more the important consideration here, as opposed to will operationally this be something that's possible. But there will be significant both technology and operational work that falls onto some of the smaller market participants in particular, I would think, many of which today just settle those trades with their settlement bank. So we'll see. Do you think there will be many more direct clearing participants? And by expanding the pool, would there need to be any changes to how the guarantee fund is administered? Do you have a sense of that? That whole concept of the consideration of member first to think about the mutualization of risk, that'll be the first point, which is do some of the members that are today not members of the CCP wish to do that? And there'll probably need to be some both education and discussion with those members to make sure that they understand what is involved in that. And then it comes back to that cost benefit analysis component of it. The second is in the end, with these increased market participants being members of the CCP, what does that mean from both the fund perspective, as you referenced, but also what does it mean in terms of other members' view of the new risk that's involved in that mutualization? So that's one of the big things that I think needs to be thought through. But I've no doubt that that'll be something that, with the right attention, the market will get through. But that is definitely one of the big topics that's out there, which is how does this all work its way into the mutualization of risk, both from the point of view of those smaller broker-dealers that might need to consider that cost and go through that process, and then for the impact on those that are already members. Well, the ball is in the SEC's court. We certainly will be watching this closely. The first rule, don't screw it up. The second rule, let's make sure that if we're going to move forward with this proposal, it's well-considered and managed so the Treasury market remains the liquid market that we all rely on. Now, BNY Mellon has been a great partner in helping the industry adopt the non-cleared margin rules, and we recently had to implement Phase 6, which brought the largest group of entities so far into scope of the rules. That's a massive operational challenge, and it involved a lot of back and forth between counterparties and infrastructure providers like yourselves. I'd like to ask a couple of questions on collateral management in general and where we are. We've seen some firms can struggle to manage large increases in margin calls and settlement volumes during periods of market stress. We saw that most recently during the September 2022 guilt crisis. We think greater automation will help drive efficiency and reduce risk in collateral management. Do you agree with that? And what steps have BNY Mellon taken in this space? So firstly, thank you for the comment on the UMR. The first thing that I would say about that process is it really is about investing the time in both education on our systems, but also on the collateral management industry. Some of the market participants in UMR were large and very experienced in collateral management. Some were newer to it. The second thing I would say is it was a very large onboarding. And I would say two of the areas that BNY Mellon spent a lot of time investing over recent years have been in the resilience of our systems, really making sure that given the important role we play, that the systems are always on and always resilient. 
And then the second is that we could really both onboard and make it easy for clients to join. The uncleared margin rules did introduce the challenge for the industry of there being literally thousands of new market participants that came in a relatively short space of time. So that would be the third piece. So education, resilience, and then just the actual practicalities of onboarding. If we think about what is collateral management, one of the primary reasons for taking collateral is risk reduction, especially during times of market disruption or difficulty. If you recall, the guilt crisis may have been brought about by a number of changes in fiscal policy and specific issues in the UK. However, in my view, it was mitigated and ultimately resolved through the use of collateral management. In September of 2022, the Bank of England announced a temporary expanded collateral repo facility, which calmed the market. And the purpose of the operation was to provide support for LDI funds to address risks to the resiliency. And then that was ultimately retired. In the aftermath of September 2022, guilt crisis, we did have discussions in different parts of the world about the benefits of a collateral management platform, specifically as it relates to market disruptions like what had happened in the guilt crisis. And I do think that is something that the U.S. has leveraged in past crises, such as 2008, and even some of the facilities that were put in in 2020. So yes, we have been out talking about and explaining how collateral management could be used both as a risk mitigant, but also really as something that could be both short-term to support liquidity in the market. And then I think the last thing you mentioned about just this operational aspect of this, there has been so much change the last couple of years as what was an industry that was largely operational has really been automated. And part of that was just the changes that, including what BNY Mellon has invested during the COVID period, where we've automated a number of the processes that allow clients to better manage their collateral needs in a fully automated way. One example that is used in pretty much everything that we've been talking about over the last 20 minutes is a new offering called Rule, which is an automated collateral schedule services where counterparties can electronically create and agree eligibility criteria online. This is something that I think is changing the collateral markets that was in years gone by characterized by lots of paper and contracts and those going back and forth. A lot of that has changed. And I do think that coupled with some of the automated tools that are in place to facilitate the increased number of sanctioned securities that are out there are things that are really helping to change the collateral markets and to automate them. Final thing I was just saying in terms of significant changes to improve the operations is Collateral portfolio optimization, again, an automated tool that allows clients to optimize their collateral needs, whether it be related to repo or UMR or some of the other collateral tools that are out there. So, yep, we've been investing significantly in this market and it is our plan to continue to do so. You talk about this technological journey, people realizing that more automation is required. How much further do we really have to go and how much more work is required to establish standard operating procedures and to make sure that it's not more automated, but fully automated? And are you optimistic that will occur in the next five to 10 years? So firstly, I think the time, the automation is going to happen 
much sooner than the five to 10 years. And it's come a long way in the last three years. So I would say operationally, it's a highly automated activity, cloud management today. But there's significant investment that's taking place that over the coming years are going to really allow this business to be both professionalized the way that I think centralized collateral management needs to be given its importance, both in terms of compliance with regulations, but really making sure that financial institutions properly are funding themselves and that the asset management community are properly collateralizing risk that they're taking. Three areas that we see as large areas for us investing in are one, I just mentioned the global portfolio optimization, the tools that allow clients to optimize both across repo, uncleared margin, the collateral that gets posted to CCPs and securities lending. So that whole thing around making sure that the right collateral is posted to the right counterparty at the right time. The second is the mobility of collateral. And that kind of goes to that issue that we talked about in the guilt crisis where operations became a big portion of the discussion. The ability to mobilize collateral therefore properly reducing the risk or mitigating the risk and ensuring markets remain calm. So that ability to move collateral rapidly from one account to another. And then I would say the third is adding new markets. The collateral markets, I would say, are generally the highest quality collateral, very significant portion of it being, as we're talking about today, being U.S. treasuries, but also high quality European and other collaterals from around the world, Japanese collateral, but onboarding and adding new markets, extending that ability for banks and for broker dealers to pledge collateral so that they can finance the entirety of their book. And that's something that we're really focused on as we look at both new markets and even some of the Asian markets that we've had some announcements on. And then that last part seems very straightforward, but that's onboarding streamlining the onboarding process through automation without giving up any of the important considerations related to KYC or AML, automated solutions that allow clients to onboard in a way that doesn't take multiple weeks. Those are just three examples of where we're investing. And I would say that those are really informed by client conversations. Brian, I'd like to finish by finding out a little bit more about you. How did you start your career and how and why did you enter the collateral management space? I've been with BNY Mellon my entire career, starting and really getting my grounding in banking in both credit and in risk management. And then I spent a couple of years in alternative investment services where I ran our servicing businesses. And then I had leadership roles in client management or client coverage, prime brokerage, and then the last couple of years, clearance and collateral management. So really the entirety of my career has been focused on financial institutions, and in or around this important market. I mentioned earlier in the conversation that I did get the opportunity earlier in my career to participate in the new bank committee where the market looked at what is the right way to think about successor clearing organizations in the event that something untoward was to happen. I then spent, and it was actually a few years, on the tri-party repo reform market committee that was put together after the 2008 crisis. And I think that this SEC proposal, I have quite a good amount of confidence that the market, together with our regulators, will actually come up with the right compromise here, taking on board feedback and where necessary, doing a little bit more research so that in all instances, we 
really make the U.S. Treasury market more resilient, which is something that I think I've spent the majority of my career working on. How do we make this market function in a way that is befitting of its importance? That's fantastic. You've been a great guest. Thank you very much for joining us today, Brian. Thanks very much. Scott, that was a pretty comprehensive discussion on the implications of increased Treasury clearing, but I'd like to pick up on the issue you raised at the end, automation of collateral processes. Why is that important and how is ISTA responding to this issue? Yeah, well, as I mentioned, some firms found it difficult to quickly process the large increases in margin calls and settlement volumes that occurred during the recent stress events. That created inefficiencies and delays, which added to the pressures of the market. We think the answer is greater automation and data standardization. There's currently a lack of end-to-end automation and a reliance on manual interventions that make collateral management time-consuming and prone to error, even during periods of relative calm. Now, during stress events, inefficiencies and delays can quickly escalate as demand for margin grows. ISDA has been working with market participants on a variety of collateral management initiatives to improve the process in key areas. For example, we want to use the common domain model to enhance interoperability, streamline counterparty onboarding, and automate cash collateral calculations. This will increase efficiency, reduce operational risks, settlement fails, and fees. This is an ongoing effort, so we invite market participants to join the working groups and get involved. Indeed, we do. If you do want to get involved or just have more information on this topic, you can visit the Collateral Initiatives link on the ISDA homepage. That will give you an overview of the current work, along with a list of useful resources and working group contacts. We're out of time for now, but please do keep an eye out for forthcoming instalments. That's it for this episode. Thanks for listening to The Swap. Keep in touch with ISDA via our website, www.isda.org, and our social media channels. See you next time.